Welcome to episode 179, the two critical needs we didn't see coming and why we have to address them now. Today we start with part one as we talk about volunteers. Will they come back? That's today on The Reclaim Leader. Welcome to The Reclaimed Leader, a podcast by two pastors trying to lead their churches through revitalization and change. Their mission, to share their journey with you so it might help you in yours. And now, here, please welcome our hosts, Jason Tucker and Jesse Skiffington. Hey everyone, welcome to episode 179 of the Reclaim Leader, Equipping Churches for Turnaround Change. I am Jason Tucker, here with Jesse Skiffington. How's it going, Jesse? Uh, doing well, Jason. You know, out here in the Northwest, the sun is finally coming out, the, the, you know, staying light a little bit longer, and, uh, you know, people are out and about, and there, there's a sense that we're moving toward and making some progress, right? That things are kind of opening up. We know there's a lot going on with that still. And as that happens, we have noticed, you and I have been talking about this, that we have noticed a couple of needs that are showing up that we didn't really see coming. We suspected they might be coming. We wondered what it would look like, but now we have a a growing sense of exactly what these needs are. And so we want to talk about two needs that uh, exist right now that we want to just talk about and begin to address. And we think these will relate to you and your churches and the things that you guys are facing too. So uh, tell us a little bit about where we're going with our next two episodes. Yeah. So I I know that everyone, it's like everyone you talk to, they're like, I'm so done. So done with this. I'm so done with wearing masks. I'm so done with the way that we have to do church or not do church or whatever that looks like. I'm so done with fill in the blank over this season. But the thing is, this season is not done. And so it's making it really hard because I feel like there's even more pressure on our churches. And it's and that pressure is just magnifying problems that may not have been a big deal, but have become a lot bigger deal because everybody is so stressed out and burned out, even though it's like we see the light at the end of the tunnel. We know it's coming. Many people in our church have gotten the vaccine or at least one dose or they're scheduled. So they feel like they're almost there. And in that way, it's making it feel even harder because we just want it to be over already. But there are a couple of critical needs that I know my church is facing, and you know we talked before we hit record that that your church is facing, and oddly, we've seen that many other churches are facing. So you and I were talking about how over the last couple of weeks, some of our favorite bloggers um, in this space, so Carrie Newhoff, Dan Ryland, Carl Vaders, uh, and Dan and Carl have been on the podcast. You know, they're noticing that there is a real hole in volunteers showing up. And coming back. And I know in Cardo Vader's uh, blog post, he he asked the question, you know, what if the people who aren't going to come back, what if, we're also concerned about which church members are going to come back, but what if the people who don't come back are the volunteers? And what does that mean? Mm-hmm. A- and we're seeing that. So we're seeing that in our ministry. And, and as I was reading through the different blog posts, um, I, I'm I'm like, yeah, that's that's us, that's us, that's us. I'm seeing this. So it it seems like these are some threads that we're seeing. And then in our second part of this conversation, which we're going to get to next week, we're talking about staff and what are some of the challenges that we're having right now, staffing wise and leading staff and ministry. And how does that all look? Because we've been in this mode of, of nuts and bolts, 
leadership. And it's time for visionary leadership. It's time for moving folks forward. And man, it's just like, these are two <laughs> critical needs right now. And and you just sort of wonder, like, do we all have the energy to attack them? I think that's a live question, right? Yeah, I think I think you're exactly right. So what are we going to do with volunteers? How are we going to pour into and develop our staff teams? I think those are related, linked things. Yeah. If our staff isn't doing well, it's going to be hard to, to, to create a great volunteer experience. If our volunteers are sluggish and coming back, that's going to have a morale hit on our staff teams and, and others who maybe organize our volunteers. Um, if you don't have a staff, you probably have key people that are leading volunteers and things. Man, so it's a connected problem. And we're just going to we're going to start talking today with a conversation about the need around volunteers. Uh, what are we going to do about this challenge, this need that exists coming out of the pandemic? And um, I don't know what the answers are. We're going to have probably more questions than answers in a lot of ways in our episodes here. But it just it's important for us as leaders. Uh, to be thinking about these things and wrestling with them, because I think that's where great ideas come from. And we're going to actually get to some good solutions, but we got to do the work to ask some great questions, wrestle through. And sometimes, you know, I know um, we have a whole variety of different listeners, but if you're the senior leader or one of the kind of the senior leaders in your organization or in your church, it kind of falls to you to lead the charge on reigniting momentum, excitement around the vision and mission and the things that we're going to talk about. So we got it. We got to do some work. Yeah. And, you know, Dr. Cotter's uh, eight steps of leading change from from Harvard. And we talk about that a lot. We use that in consulting. We use that all the time. And the very first step is create a sense of urgency. Mm-hmm. So it's on us as a leader not to have all the answers, but we need to create the urgency. Like, And, and honestly, in these two areas, well, at least in the volunteer area, there's already urgency because everybody in the organization is feeling it. We want to open more fully, but we don't have the resources to do that. That's right. And the staff have been trying to cover for the lack of volunteers. And now the staff are in danger of getting burned out. So again, like you said, it's all related. So we want to spend a little bit of time, talk about that because we believe, again, with adaptive change, it's about asking the right questions. That's right. You you don't have to have the answers. Yeah, exactly. I think um, as we went through this year, we have a track record now to point to and say, we had no idea how to navigate through this year. And yet we did it. Look what we did. Look what we accomplished. Look what, you know, we changed, we pivoted, we adapted, we asked good questions. And so now we get the opportunity to do that again, related to volunteers and who do we want to be and who are we going to be as a staff team or as a key leadership team into heading into this next phase? So it begins with asking some questions about what's going on. I mean, the big question, why? Why aren't our volunteers coming back really? And so I just want to lead with, some of them are saying it's because of COVID concerns. But I also wonder how much of that is real or how much of that is a convenient excuse to not come back. And either way, it's a problem. Right. You know, there's not, I don't know that there's a lot we can do for somebody who's truly is afraid of coming out and coming back other than just to keep trying to give them hope and minister them to them where they are. But, you know, how much of it is fabricated because for whatever reason, they're not ready to put the energy into coming back and being a part of things. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think part of it is too. Um, it's hard to picture what coming back is like for a lot of folks. And 
you know, we just started little league out here in the Northwest again of, in the 44 degrees and rain. It's, it's lovely baseball <laughs> weather. It's awesome. Sounds fun. <laughs> it's, That's it's three great. hours of your life. Yeah. yeah. It's so fantastic. And I'm, I'm helping as one of the assistant coaches. I love to be there and encourage the kids and things. And, um, you know, Will, my son, Will and I, we went and we practiced a couple of times and we were both wiped out when we got back. It was like something that was used to be just kind of part of a regular routine of life was now this kind of big thing two two plus hours of our day committed to being outside doing something and uh, me volunteering. And um, we were kind of spent. And I think something shifted in the midst of this long, you know, season of, of a, a different way of living life and experiencing life um, that, that might be having an impact too. Um, um, yeah. what people are up for, what, what they, they feel ready for, what they want to take on. And, uh, so there's some challenge or whether it's a COVID, uh, excuse or reason that's either legitimate or, or fabricated, as you said, or kind of made to be more than it actually is, or whether it's just people got used to having a lot more space in their life and wondering what they want to add back onto the plate, uh, as things kind of open back up. And, um, you know, I, I think it's, it's, uh, these questions are going to lead us to some good outcomes. We might even have to get out there and, and, you know, this is really risky, Jason, ask people what's going on and how they're feeling about these things. Yeah. You know, and I suspect that for some it's, they don't miss being burned out as a volunteer because I think our church has not done a good job of trying to manage people's volunteer load. You know, people get really excited and they're like, yeah, you know, I want to jump in. I want to help. And it be quickly becomes a life sentence that they don't know how to That's get right. out of. So and, true. and now that yeah. they haven't had to do it, they're realizing, wow, this is kind of great. Like I miss the feeling of serving, but I don't know if I want to go back to that way of doing it. And I think that's legit. That's, that's a, that's an epidemic that we need to figure out in the church. A hundred percent. And I think it comes out of a, um, sort of, we've always, you know, been stretched as far as volunteer resources, right? We want to, anytime somebody says, yes, we're excited. We want to put them to work, but inevitably, if we're not careful, we don't have good systems in place and clear expectations and boundaries around their, their service. What does it mean? And what exactly are we asking you to do? It quickly and easily grows into something more than they ever intended to say yes to. I think that's where the burnout happens. When we change the rules, when, when it becomes morphs into the life sentence of volunteering, like you, you said, and so what are we going to do about that? And, and the question I wrote down and you kind of had your own version of it is, but is what can we do to make saying yes to volunteer opportunities more likely right now? And more life-giving. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, how do we change that narrative? And, and it's something we work hard on, Jason. I know you want life-giving experiences for your volunteers where people are growing in their faith when they serve. And it's not just, they're not just cogs in the machinery, but it's so easy for us to get to that place where, where people are just kind of, it's not life-giving. It's sort of like the treadmill that they're doing over and over and over again. And so how do we make saying yes more likely? How do we make it more life-giving? I think there's two two key questions for me and for my team. Yeah, because people are more selective than ever about how they're going to spend their time, right? You you touched on that before. And I think it's in a lot of ways, it's all about how do we how do we reinvigorate them by getting them to share a compelling vision of the future? It's getting back to vision of life transformation in Jesus Christ. And one thing that we've always done as a staff is 
we share our God sightings at the very beginning of every staff meeting. So that we share, where did we see God show up in the last week? And some of those stories, you know, people, people are in tears. It, it's really moving and amazing. And what I realized is we're currently not doing it with all of our volunteers. I think we need to find a way to build that into the, to the rhythm of volunteering that we're sharing stories of transformation as we go. Because that's the stuff that really gets people fired up to feel like they're not just a cog in a wheel, like they are part of the life transforming work of Jesus. Yeah, absolutely. So connecting it to the vision and mission, I think that's step one. You know, if you want to get, you know, more people to say yes and and have more life-giving experiences when they do say yes, having an opportunity to share the impact of their role, what they did, the relationship they established, and its connection to to the vision and mission to see life change and to see uh, God at work in people's lives. Crucial. I love that. So vision and mission connect it um, yeah. through story. Story is a great way to do that and keep track of where we do see God at work. So that's one great way. You had another one. We kind of alluded to it. Um, we all, we were also saying uh, consider, and this feels so counterintuitive, consider making the volunteer opportunities more short-term oriented rather than sort of either open-ended or, or longer term. So yeah. what does that mean? What does a short-term volunteer experience at the church look like? Is that two weeks? Is it six months? Is it, you know, 10 years? Like, what, what do we mean by that? I think it depends on, it, it depends on the ministry area. So for example, if, if we wanted a volunteer to volunteer for our production team on Sunday morning, or our production team to help facilitate a streaming service or something, that takes a little time not just to learn, you know, to learn the position and then to do it. So I would say that that might look like a two month commitment. Like, Hey, for the next two months, and maybe I can't do every week, but I could do most weeks for two months. I'm going to learn, I'm going to contribute, be a part of it. And then I could sign up again and, you know, down the road. Right. But it could also be a childcare in the nursery where a lot of that training can be done pretty quickly. And it's not as technical. You can, you can, you know, partner with someone the first week and then the second week you can do it yourself. It, so that might be a two week commitment, right? I think it depends. But I think the point is, at least in this season, it doesn't feel like we can expect volunteers are going to be with us for a whole season. You know, they're going to be with us all summer, all fall, through the winter. I just think we have to, just like our decision making has changed, like we're not making decisions seasonally, we're making decisions like with micro seasons, I think it's the same with the commitments to volunteering, which is a lot more logistical work on our end. Yeah. But I think it's, it feels like the right move right now. Yeah. I think, I think that's wise. And so it's going to look different in every ministry area and every church congregation. It's it's going to look different, but what, what I hear you saying is create lots of on ramps and off ramps for volunteer opportunities and, and compress the timeline for when those things would normally happen to um, sort of I, I, to reflect the, the current sort of reality that we're living in, which is we're much closer to um, sort of day-to-day real time than we would normally be in the planning cycle of the church, right? Normally right now, we'd be looking at the fall and talking about our sermon series in the fall yeah. and what we want to do yeah. for, you know, the family, you know, harvest festival or whatever we were going to do. And we're not, we're looking at like May and June, if we're lucky right now, right? Maybe a little into the summer talking about VBS, but so compressing the timeline 
to reflect what's going on in people's lives where they don't know what three months from now is going to look like. I would add to the short-term commitment um, as well. Um, when, when it's possible, I would say um, be really clear about how many things they're saying yes to. So yeah. we're right now we're um, signing people up to serve with our children's ministry through May. So it'll be April and May signups that they're that we're working on. And so we're basically asking people to commit to serving four times over those two months, and we're going to try and you know broaden our volunteer pool uh, and allow people to say yes to less than they would have before um, before the pandemic, which would have been maybe a six month or a year commitment of every other week or something like that. So. Um, that's what we're kind of looking at shorter term commitments, clear commitments, and then trying to broaden, share the load, um, so that, uh, people can say yes to less and feel good about, uh, about doing that. And there are some churches who are listening who you don't have a lot of volunteers anyway. It's like the same yeah. few people are doing everything. And so I think this next point that, that I want to make that we definitely are right in the middle of is don't be so quick to add programs back because when there's a lack of volunteers, your staff, or you might be a staff of one in a church. I mean, I've been there, done that solo pastor. It was me and the part-time custodian and a part-time administrator. I was doing the bulletin every week. I was doing, and some of you pastors, that's your situation. You're like, well, you know, it'd be nice to have any (laughs) help, let alone a team of, is my team going to come back? But I think all the more reason to remember that stacking everything back the impulse is, is noble. The impulse is I want us to feel like we're back to normal as soon as possible. Mm-hmm. And, and that comes from a pastoral care point of view for the congregation. But, but you have to resist that. You can't just jump back to the same programmatic structure and pathways, next step pathways are better than programs anyway. So maybe this is a perfect opportunity to start thinking about what's the next strategic next step I can invite people on, not are we going to do the annual rummage sale because we want everybody to feel normal. And all you're going to do is burn the few people out that you are that you have who are doing the work. So I think this is huge, is just don't jump back into your programmatic rhythm just yet. Allow yeah. yourself, give yourself the gift of a little space. And I think yeah. it's going to make it better. And, and I think it's a time too where some evaluation can happen and we're going to get into this more next week in the conversation about staffing and, and really it's a leadership conversation with our, our senior leadership, whether that's our board or our elders or whatever. But when you're coming back, I think there's an opportunity for some strategic thinking or rethinking about what we're going to do and why, what, you know, in some ways the, the table has been swept clear. You know, we always talk about that zero sum budgeting, you know, like let's, if we took everything off the table, what would go back on? We never really mean it because everything, almost everything always ends up back (laughs) on the table anyway. And so what was the point? We've had the table wiped clear in a lot of ways. I mean, we've figured out how to make Sunday worship happen in in our various ways. We've held on to maybe a few programs like our, our care ministries and things like that. But from like the rummage sales, you know, that went away, Jason, our, our harvest festival, that, that went away just out of necessity. The other kinds of things that we would have sort of normally done in the life of the church, because that's what we do. One of those things were taken off the, the plate, um, off the table. And now the question is, do we want to put them back on is, is another way to think about the same question here. And, and I think that's where some strategic thinking and planning with our leadership teams 
is so crucial right now to make sure we're thinking strategically, not just efficiently and get back to normal as quickly as possible. Are we being thoughtful and strategic about where we're going next, where we're going to grow, how we're going to do that? Um, in one, for instance, for us, we have um, an amazing concert series where we bring in jazz musicians from all over the Northwest and really all over the United States now. Great volunteer that has led the charge on that. And once a month, we have these jazz concerts. We pack the place. There's more people for jazz than there are for Sunday services. So you figure out what, what that means about my sermon. Don't be I, offended. No, <laughs> I'm not. It's awesome. We're known for a lot of people. They're like, oh, Marine View, that's the jazz church. That's cool. You know, whatever. And, and uh, our, our volunteer, Jim, and I, we've been talking about, is it time? It's been an amazing thing, but is it time to, to bring that concert series to an end? There's a lot of volunteer hours that he personally puts in and a lot of his team puts in. Um, is it time to bring that program that's still successful and has been really great, but is now an opportunity to kind of end on a high note and just be done? So we, we talked about honoring and celebrating the jazz series, Jazz Live, we call it. and and maybe do one last concert or two concerts to celebrate and then say, but we're bringing the series to an end. Um, and you may need to do that with some of the things in your life that have been part of the DNA in the past. They may not be part of part of the future. Yeah. I, I mean, listen, there, there can be some real sil- silver linings of this. I mean, just between us pastors uh, right. in this season is that some things can mercifully come to an end. Right. That you feel like, right. again, you're manufacturing energy for every year. Mm-hmm. And it's because what that's doing is it's taking energy from other things that you feel are more mission critical. And, yep. you know, yep. just because it might give people a feel good, I don't know if that's a compelling enough reason. Sometimes it is, but I, I don't know if you sustain that over time just because it's something people are used to. Yeah. Um, yeah, good yeah. stuff. So, so again, I know, listen, I know everyone's kind of dealing with this and trying to figure this out. I think it, it comes down to kind of that question that you posed earlier, Jesse, how can we make saying yes more likely and more life-giving? It's about, it's about discipleship. I think we become so accustomed to volunteering being, we got to fill, plug the holes in so that we can get everything done. And we don't, and we do it out of efficiency, but we don't really, I think sometimes we miss it because we aren't thinking about it as a discipleship experience. Absolutely right. Yeah. If you start to, I think that the construct for me is everything we do in the life of the church is disciple making, yeah. including our, our service. So not only discipling, you know, the kids in our youth, our youth and children's programs, but, but growing ourselves as we serve. And, you know, when, when I ask this question to our staff, what can we do to make saying yes more likely? You know what their answer is going to be. If you call them, they'll probably say yes because the pastor has more pull right. or whatever. I guess you got to watch it with that question. Yeah, you got to be careful. But if we create a culture or an environment where people get to, they feel honored to, to, to serve because they know, one, it's going to make an impact and there's going to be stories related to that. But they also know that it's going to be good for them, for their soul, for their growth as well. So how do we create that? That's the great questions. We can't wait to see what everybody comes up with. And when you find out the solution that works just perfectly, you let us know and then we'll implement that. on. Our and and we'll, we'll have you on as a guest. That's right. we'll, <laughs> you can explain yeah. it to all of us. Yeah. All right. So it's a big challenge, Jason. Volunteers are so crucial. I mean, we are a volunteer organization. It is what we are about because, um, you know, that's how we take the work of the church and make it go is through our volunteers. And so 
um, yeah, we're rooting for you. Maybe you're steps ahead of us. Maybe your volunteers are streaming back through the doors and ready to go. Um, that hasn't been our experience yet. And, uh, yeah, Jason, I'm, I'm hopeful. I think as, as things begin to reopen and as people feel more comfortable and confident moving about that, we'll start to see some of that come back, hopefully in healthier and, uh, even better ways than we had before. Absolutely. Well, thanks so much for this, uh, Jesse. And for all of you, I hope that this is helpful for you. And just a reminder that we are hosting our very first church conference is around the corner. It's less than a month away. We're so excited. We got such great speakers who are going to be a part of that. Um, I I had a meeting this week with our other church consultant who's helping out. So we're really trying to make this uh, we we're calling it a work friends. It doesn't have a nice ring to it, but how do you turn a, a conference and a workshop <laughs> together? How do you get yeah. inspiration, but also leave with an actionable plan for your ministry? And that's what we're really spending a lot of time focusing on. So we're so excited about it. Hope you'll join us. The Church Comeback Conference 2021. For more information on that, just go to ccc21.online and you can get all the info there and you can even register. So hope we'll see you there. Uh, and until next time, Keep keep going for it. We're rooting for you. We're praying for you. And just know that that God's got this. These two, these critical needs we didn't see coming, God saw coming a long time ago. And uh, he's going to give you the answers that you're going to need along the way. So, hey, listen, ministry is hard. It is so much better when we do it together. Thank you for listening to Reclaimed Leader. Join us next time for more insights, interviews, and resources to help you in your leadership journey.